Welcome to the Love Anarchy Podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. And we explore the idea of real conscious love. Today is episode 111. What an auspicious number. And it's a solo episode with me, Andrea Atherton, your host of the Love Anarchy Podcast and the founder of Mindful Love. Today, we're going to talk about something very essential, but appears to be eluding us in our culture. It's essential that we understand the meaning of validity of reality in a relationship and how it is so important that you see, hear, respect, and acknowledge your partner or suffer the consequences. Most relationship with one partner being neglectful of someone else's reality usually ends badly. And if they're not self-aware, then they do it again and again. Before we jump right into the podcast, I'd like to talk a little bit about my Mindful Love program. I help couples rewrite their love story to contain more intimacy and connection, and I help singles learn to love themselves so they can attract the love they want. Find your number one block to love. Set up an appointment with me on andreatherton.com. Listeners, pull up a chair, put your ear pods on, or continue to clean the kitchen, and join me in the discussion about the importance of validity of reality in our relationships. Well, some people think there's a right or wrong when it comes to perspective. Actually, each person brings their own own uniqueness and unique perspective. And this is shaped by their childhood, their experiences, and how they express and experience emotions. These perspectives are their personal realities. And when two people come together to form a relationship, there is an understanding that there are multiple subjective realities all equally valid and shaped by each partner in their unique experiences and feelings. Let's start with an example. Stories are always good. We're going to talk about Adam and Rose. Adam and Rose were in their mid-30s. They were dating for about four years and married for about two Both of them were pretty independent and did their own thing. First, Rose was in school, and then they moved across country, and then Adam was in school. Um, They both had different interests. Um, Rose was an artist, and uh, her husband, Adam, was a musician. So they were very busy and involved with their own things. They would get together for meals and vacations and that sort of thing. And they just kind of equally contributed. Is the communication great? No, but there were no major bumps until they had a child. Then 
things changed. Well, they didn't on Adam's side, but Rose had to take all the brunt of the change. Of course, being new parents, you're caught up in the spin of things and it's hard to think clearly. But Rose found a deep dissatisfaction and resentment toward her husband because he just continued on just like it was before the baby and she had to pick up all the slack financially around the house and with the child. When she finally realized it, she wrote down all the things that she did and actually all the things that Adam did as responsibilities and told him how she was feeling and how overwhelmed and how alone she was feeling and having to pick up the slack with no communication about it. He looked her in the eye and said, well, do you see this where his line was of the things he was doing? I'm feeling like this. And he placed his hand over his head. He expressed that he was feeling overwhelmed, but yet could not see Rose's reality. But in order for change to happen, Adam needed to see the reality and take on the feelings of maybe dropping the ball or seeing her, hearing her, and accommodating her. Unfortunately, he was unable to do this, and they ended up divorcing. Like so many relationships, when that partner refuses or is unable to see the reality of their partner. So where does this invalidation of reality come in? It begins when one partner dismisses or invalidates the other's reality. This happens in a variety of ways, such as belittling their feelings, gaslighting, or simply not taking their perspective into account, telling them they should be happy or that their feelings are wrong. The truth is, especially in relationship, we need to be acknowledged, heard, seen, have our feelings witnessed, and offered some accommodation within our relationship. When this occurs, the invalidated partner is left feeling unheard and unsupported. This, according to Teal Swan, is one of the most painful things that anybody can experience, being alone in a partnership. It's important to know that this invalidation is often unintentional or that the person is actually unaware of it. People might feel genuinely that their perspective is the right way of dealing with things and their partners is wrong. They then unintentionally undetermine their partner's reality. And this is what Teal Swan calls parallel realities, where the realities don't cross over together. You can call it emotional immaturity. You can call it not being a grown-up. 
you can call it um, a lack of empathy. And also narcissists do act like this, um, but almost to an extent where they confuse people about their own reality. And that's called gaslighting. But the origins usually come from childhood where the child isn't allowed their own opinion or perspective and they feel very hurt and don't feel seen or protected or safe. Oftentimes the parent is trying to protect themselves or trying to convince the child to feel differently or doesn't allow them to have an opinion at all. And this causes that child to become very protective of their perspective. And thus, then growing up is over to the relationship where they're doing the same thing that their parents did to them, not validating seeing or accommodating for their partner's reality. So the partner who was forced to hold both realities or the third reality and is consistently invalidated, they find themselves in a challenging position. They not only have to manage their own emotions, but also hold and validate their partner's reality, even when it conflicts with their own. And this emotional labor is exhausting and frustrating. And it feels like that they're the only one making the effort to understand or resolve issues. But nothing can get resolved with just one person holding both realities. Over time, this imbalance erodes trust, intimacy, and ultimately the relationship itself. I've seen couples and heard spouses that were surprised because they were content in the relationship. The health and happiness of a relationship is usually based on the person in the relationship who is in the most pain. And when this cannot be addressed, it cannot be rectified. These gaps in between both realities is too wide. There is no possibility for a relationship with different realities, at least an emotionally connected relationship. This leads to the toxic, this is who I am. You married me and loved me for who I am, or this is how it's been done in my family, and this is how I do things. This is very rigid thinking, and again, not letting in the reality of your partner or their personal experience. Leads me to story number two. Paul and Joyce love traveling together. They travel around in their RV and they came upon a entrance to a campsite that they were at. 
And there was an avalanche that happened just up the road, so they couldn't go their normal way. Being off course left Paul anxious and angry and frustrated. And instead of going with the flow, he just started verbalizing everything and just let his negativity and anger spew out. So Joyce had to hold this and she was trying to have a good time, but it just spilled over into her experience and she didn't know what to do. She often blamed herself and wondered how she could better deal with Paul's angry outbursts and negativity. When Paul was confronted with it, he's like, well, that's how I've always done it. And I feel better after I express myself. What do you want me to do? Just bury the anger inside? But he had no idea about how his actions were impacting his wife's reality and the reality of how hard it was for her when he was so negative. Paul learned some mindful ways of dealing with his anger and dealing with it alternatively and on his own so he didn't have to impact his wife. And they opened up a conversation about it, and he began to listen to her about what her experience was like and was able to let go of, this is how I am, and this is how I do things. And this is a phrase that we've probably used, we all have definitely heard, and some of it's true, some of it's pretty ingrained, but if it's affecting your relationship in a toxic way, that is when we need to step back, take a little space, and listen to how it's impacting our partner and make some reconciliation around it. It's placing your relationship as important. It's facing our own blocks or excuses to looking at something to better the relationship. It is being mature enough to create a little space to come up and be able to look at yourself and how you might not realize how you impact other people. Along with my fascination on people's behavior and people's perception, I've also been geeking out on some sociologists and psychologists' extensive research that suggests that people often have a limited insight into how they act and how they impact other people. This phenomenon is often referred to as the ability to be self-aware or have self-insight. And it's been studied from a variety of perspectives. But I'm going to lay out some key points in how we delude ourselves in thinking we know who we are and how we impact others. Psychologist Daryl Benton proposed the self-perception theory, 
This suggests that people often infer their own attitudes and emotions by observing their own behavior just as they would others. This means that that sometimes people are not consciously aware, aware of why they do what they do. They may only understand their motivations after the fact. Leon Festinger's theory of cognitive dissonance also highlights how people can engage in behaviors that contradict their beliefs or values without recognizing the inconsistency immediately. The lack of insight into one's own behavior can be attributed to a desire to reduce cognitive dissonance. The next one is social desirability bias. Um, social psychologists has shown that individuals tend to conform to societal norms and expectations. This can lead to a lack of insight into their true motivations or who they are. Their behaviors are skewed in their own eyes because they are not always honest with themselves about their actions. I was watching Shameless with my daughter, and Frank is such a beautiful, beautiful example of the social desirability bias in his own mind. He does things like gets drugs for people or gets them high or robs from them. But in his own mind, he's an angel or a savior, especially when working with people who were dying of cancer with whom he'd take advantage of. But he looked at it while he was opening up their minds and their lives to a whole life experience. This isn't the only delusion of Frank's, but we'll leave it here. Some psychologists argue that self-deception is a very common phenomenon. People deceive themselves to maintain a positive self-image or to cope with difficult emotions, i.e. again, Frank. This can lead to a lack of insight into one's own behaviors because individuals may not want to confront uncomfortable truths about themselves. And when they get pointed out by other people, they're pretty defensive about it. The influence of social and cultural factors can strongly influence how individuals perceive and understand their own behavior. Sometimes people may just act in ways that align with these norms without examining it, without critically looking at it, or looking at their motivations, leading to a great, vast lack of insight. A great amount of the time, we are far off when we think people like us or we think people don't. Without self-awareness, we can really delude ourselves into a fantasy world of our own making. Now, let's not get down on ourselves for being human. We all experience these biases and wish to be looked at as a good person and avoiding looking at things we don't want to. 
but that's a part of being a grown up in a grown up relationship. So how do we move through if we find these things within ourselves or our partner? First, it takes two. You need to be on an equal playing field and both people have to be willing to resolve it. That one partner can't carry both realities. For the person not so aware of themselves, I always suggest a mindfulness practice, meditation. I've studied many different forms of meditation, but come to find out just sitting on a mat and listening, you can figure out how your brain works and how it can trick you. Um, it's one of the most fascinating things that you can slow down enough to see the tricky things of our super not so smart, smart mind. So meditating or listening to meditations or visualizations, slowing down, taking time in nature, taking time to journal and to self-reflect. And then with your partner, engage and learn how to be an active listener. Really be a detective to really know your partner more than anyone else. Be excited about learning more about their reality. Then validate and on in a loving container with absolutely no judgment and a wish to resolve any conflict. Developing empathy is definitely a skill, but it's actually walking a mile in that person's shoes or where the term comes from, their moccasins. It's really developing the muscle of being able to step into somebody else's perspective, even if you don't understand the logistics of it. This is crucial in any healthy relationship. And encouraging open and honest communication and creating a container so each partner can be open about their feelings and their realities and last is compromise. Although I don't like the word compromise and I like to think of a win-win situation, that isn't always that way. It's keeping in mind that nobody's reality is more real or more valid than each other's. And then coming to a place where you can either agree to disagree or take steps to accommodate for both you and your partner. It means valuing your relationship more than you need to avoid discomfort and the space you can work through any conflicts that do arise. Not just in romantic relationships, but in humanity as a whole. What if we created a little more space, didn't think we were right all the time, listened, and accommodated for other people? And that's really all we want when it really comes down to it is to be safe, to be heard, 
to have our feelings validated, to have somebody want to try to understand you. That is one of the most loving things that can glue a relationship together. Although this is overlooked, this is one of the most important components to a healthy, loving, and intimate relationship. Thank you listeners for listening in to the Love Anarchy podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. And we also explore the idea of real conscious love. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening in with us, because I know you have a myriad of podcasts in which you can listen to. Don't forget to subscribe, ring the bell, and leave feedback. It is so important to keeping us afloat. And don't forget to tell your friends. If you're interested in learning more about my Mindful Love 8-Week program, don't hesitate to reach out andreaatherton.com. Set up a session with me so we can chat about your number one block to love. If you want to join the Love Anarchy community, go ahead and find us Love Anarchy Podcast on Facebook. I'm going to leave you with my favorite short but powerful quote. Love is the only true power.